With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. That's Vamano by Buscabuya, and that dreamy voice belongs to Raquel Berrios, half of the indie pop duo. The other half is her partner and co-parent, Luis Alfredo del Valle. The couple started making music together while living in New York, but after Hurricanes Maria and Irma hit Puerto Rico, they decided it was time to go back home. That return and the very meaning of home inspired their new first album, Regresa. I am not a native Spanish speaker, and so I had never heard the word buscabulla, and so I loved it, and I love the definition being a troublemaker. Are you, by nature, a troublemaker? I mean, I would say no, <laughs> but I do like, I kind of like what it implies in a way. I, I do think that I'm always curious. I don't know. I feel like I do have maybe a, a troublemaker sort of nature when it comes to maybe like making music. Like I like to take two worlds that are not supposed to come together and bring them together I like to create and work with tension. So maybe in a way, that's why I I was very much drawn to the name. Growing up in Puerto Rico, what kind of music was on at home? On my dad's side, a lot of salsa, calypso, trio music, rock. He loved rock. And on my mother's side, my mom was more like an MTV head. Like she just loved uh, Madonna, Prince, Charday. She was like more like mainstream. So I think that she always was more drawn to English, like English spoken music um, than Spanish music. So we heard a lot of that. And that's mostly what Puerto Ricans hear. Like we, you know, our airwaves are all like top 40 American music. So we grew up with a lot of American music on the radio. 
but also like salsa and a lot of the Puerto Rican music was really has always been really important for my dad and my dad really taught me to love the music that was from my home country. So you grew up on the island. What's the turning point where you decide you want to move to New York? Well, I mean, I studied architecture and design and I was working at an, an office and then I felt that really that maybe our design wasn't really what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be creative. And so I got I, I got into Rhode Island School of Design for uh, my master's degree and I, I decided to do textiles. And so I kind of knew that I my ticket to get into New York was to actually go to a, maybe a, a school where I could get a job in New York because I always dreamt about going to New York. I mean, my mother was born in the Bronx and my parents were flight attendants. So I saw them come back and forth. And, you know, New York has such a powerful presence in movies and the media. And it, I always felt like as a creative person that I wanted to to go to New York and see like, a, like I wanted to kind of find myself creatively there. How did you meet Luis? Luis and I met at a friend's uh, party. I mean, I feel when you're Puerto Rican and you're Puerto Rican and you're in New York, you're bound to just be in a party world. You'll, you'll probably meet anybody if you're around the same age. I had this sort of like um, a makeup band with my friends, sort of this band that Wait, we had. Wait, why are you putting it in quotation marks? <laughs> because I think it was sort of like mostly like a, a band that we re never really kind of recorded anything. We had songs, but it was mostly to pass the time and have fun. Like it was a time where... All of our friends, we were all like single and we were just writing about like, you know, like just being single in the city. And it was kind of like a silly kind of project, but we were kind of playing our songs. And um, we used to do like weird, like Spanish covers of pop songs. And we were doing a, a cover of Bad Romance of Lady Gaga in Spanish. <laughs> and I didn't know how to finish the song. I didn't know the chords. And Luis comes in. He's like, I know the chorus of that song. And then he came in and then... um. And we finished the song and from there on, um, I knew he made music, that he had like a whole history with bands and he had actually come to New York to make music. And just like that, we connected and we started hanging out, jamming. And I showed we some demos that I had with, with the beginnings of what was Buscabuya and he was super excited about it. And immediately we, we hit it up and we started making music and we fell in love. But which came first, the music or the romance? I'd say the music came first, for sure. I mean, I'm seven years older than Luis, so in a way I kind of felt a little bit like, I don't really know if this is going to be a good thing. You know, I kind of felt a little bit nervous, but I'm like, but I have a lot of fun with this person and he's super talented. So the music did come first. What does the process of writing music look like for the two of you? I usually am the one that plants the seed, the conceptual seed. Um, I'll usually write songs on the piano or I sample and I make these kind of weird maquette, maquettes. And then I, I show them to Luis. And Luis is usually the one that tells me this one's good, this one's bad. And he kind of goes through a process. And then we both kind of analyze them together. And then we sit down and we, we perfect the songwriting. Like there's a bridge, perfecting the chorus. And then after sort of we have uh, the songwriting um, mostly figured out, like to know that it has a potential to keep being a, a, a good song, we then go into the studio together and we start producing together. Um, but Luis is mostly, you know, he has more of the engineering chops. He went to school for it. Um, he plays most of the instruments because he's a multi-instrumentalist. Um, but the process of really creating and producing is, is pretty much our, both our heads working together. 
When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in Pampers Swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. Miss Juleka, nice to have you on. Must be a special reason. Yeah, yeah, you know it's a special reason, since I like to be behind <laughs> the scenes. <laughs> All right, so when Canto Beauty decided to come on board, I mm-hmm, Yes, you rushed to volunteer to try the products. <laughs> yes, I know I did. And it's the first time, I know. But I've already been using the coconut curling cream for years, so I figured I wasn't going to miss a chance to try out sister products. I liked the photo you sent me the other day. Your hair looked really good. And that was just after one shampoo and conditioner. My curls were shiny and smooth, man. And my comb was not full of my own hair after I detangled it in the shower. Mm-hmm. You know, even in pictures, it's coming through. Like, your hair looks shiny and hydrated and just so healthy. Thanks. I really appreciate that you let me send you those because I'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> about the change. So how many products are you using all told? Right now, I've got, like, four. So I'm using the shampoo, the conditioner, the leave-in cream. And then, can I just tell you what my favorite is? Mm -hmm. The Wave Whip. First of all, that name is everything. But I love how my waves and my curls just are fuller. They're more touchable. They're less frizzy. I mean, I know I sound like an ad, but let me tell you. Well, you can enjoy the benefits of the Gantu Beauty hair care line, picking up your favorites at Target or ordering from Target.com. Um, 
let's talk about some of the tracks on Regresa. Um, Vamano, as someone who moved from New York to Miami and now back to New Jersey, the music video for this song haunts me because you go to bed in your tiny dark apartment and as <laughs> soon as the drums kick in, you awake on a bed at the foot of the ocean, which is like the dream. I understand that was the first song you wrote after coming back to the island. Yeah, it was the very first song. And it was sort of like, one of those songs that I kind of just wrote kind of pretty fast. Sometimes I don't know really what the song is going to be about. And then I just start mumbling. I just start kind of like making up melodies and mumbling. My subconscious mind comes out through my mouth. And when I hear it, I realize what I was actually thinking. And yeah, I just wanted to make something that had like a lot of drive and energy. Maybe that's a little bit naive and like being so positive. Like I'm coming back home. Like I'm going to make everything better you know like in a way there is sort of a, like a naivete on the song but also there is also like a very an honest feeling of like really wanting people to come back or like like I wish everybody could come back but by the end of the song when I say quien me va a ayudar I, I think my emotions break a little bit and I start kind of asking for help like who's gonna help me out here you know like who's gonna help me make this thing better <laughs> And then NTE, which I also <laughs> love. What was the inspiration? That is definitely in the Buscabuya nature of not, you know, like feeling like I don't want anybody to tell me what I am supposed to do. In a way, I felt like... Um, it, it serves both purposes. First was the purpose of a lot of people telling us that we shouldn't come back home. It felt like everybody had an opinion about it. And we felt like, nah, it might seem crazy, but this is what we want to do. And in a way, like, no picky wokas is like, don't get it wrong. Like, this is sort of like what we're going to do. Like, and you can't really kind of defy that. And um, then on another note, also like just sort of, as an artist, I feel like when you start kind of gaining influence, like now with social media, it feels like everybody has a control over your narrative as an artist. And in a way, I feel that the song was also written in saying like, I am in control. I'm in control of my own narrative. I'm in control of my own decisions. Where have you as an artist felt like someone else has tried to take control or misrepresented your narrative? I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, not in a big form because we're not that famous, but sometimes... Um, I don't know. So I think somebody in some point said something about like, oh, like your music is so hipster. Like it sounds more like it's like gentrifier music. <laughs> and then I'm like, Give me a break. I'm like literally like if I don't make reggaeton and if I don't make salsa and if I'm not making whatever Sony is putting out, then whatever other alternative music is considered hipster music and therefore it could be considered gentrifier music and I felt that that was like kind of unfair or like when somebody would just kind of label oh it's just hipster music because it's alternative I just think it's something that happens when somebody makes something new and people can't really understand it and then in a way it's funny because Regresa is literally about actually <laughs> trying to make something new and something that has nothing to do with like because I feel in a way, because we combine sort of American music and Latin music, then maybe people feel like, am I trying to make 
music that people from the United States will like or that white people will like. In a way, it's like, no, it's like, I'm literally trying to be as honest as possible. Like Puerto Ricans have had American influence and we've had Puerto Rican influence because of our colonial state. And so it's interesting how in taking these two worlds and putting them out, people might consider it that it's a type of music that's gentrified. And in a way, maybe it is actually gentrified, actually. Like maybe it does come from that, but the intentions are not that, you know, the intentions are literally to make something new that is honest and portrays another Puerto Rico that people might not know that exists, you know. I have seen your music described as experimental dream pop, indie pop, alternative Latin pop, and I've seen you describe it as Caribbean music of the future. (laughs) Yeah, and lately I've been mostly going more on the side of um, experimental Latin pop. I feel better with that now. (laughs) What does that mean that you feel better with that now? Um... I mean, Caribbean music of the future could be, definitely. But um, I feel that in a way it is Caribbean, but I think that maybe sometimes it can even go beyond Caribbean. And maybe I like the idea of of experimental Latin pop because at the end, the the songs are sort of in the style of pop where there's like a verse and chorus and there's a lot of repetition. But um, I like to say that it's always sort of the alternative of whatever is pop and like Latin pop right now, which is reggaeton or like um, or or salsa, which is not so much, but maybe more like sort of these romantic ballads or what have you. Like we kind of present like a different uh, a different sensibility to Spanish pop. So I like to call it experimental because I do think we're very experimental with the way that we're fusing sounds and the types of sounds that we use. When did you stop thinking of Buscabuya as a side project? I still had to keep my day job. I think it was very, very gradual. I don't think that it was like on one day I realized, but, you know, I think that once we put our second EP out and we kept being called to play shows and and we kept touring and traveling and we saw that we got like a like a, a bigger following, like I think that it it manifested itself. And I'm like, oh, like maybe this is actually something that we could live off of. And then eventually one day we played this great show in LA. We, we played a sold out show in LA. And I was just kind of blown away. I was so nervous that day. And then, you know, we got a call about like somebody offering us a publishing deal and asking us, who's your label? And we're like, we don't have a label. And it's a s- small record label in LA. And then, He's like, well, we, I would love to for you guys to make a record under a label. And then I think in that point, I realized, I'm like, I think we're going to be able to do this. Like we were able to save enough money and we were able to land a record deal. And we were like, let's do it. Let's let's go back home. Let's record a record like it's happening. I think that that's sort of the moment that I realized it because it wasn't until I saw the money that I couldn't really. I'm like, until I see the money, I'm like, I can't believe it because Same. clearly I still have to pay rent, you know. So when... When we saw that we could actually happen, I think that's the moment where I'm like, wow, I think this is not not a sidekick anymore. This is the main thing now. That's very interesting to me because studying your story, it would be very easy to go back to 2013 when you win that contest through Guitar Center and Converse and you have your first EP produced by Dev Hines. It would be easy to see that as the turning point. Yeah, but it wasn't because clearly, I mean... 
Even if you have a slightly successful band in New York, rent was so expensive. I mean, I had my student loans from my master's degree. I mean, I just, like maybe if I would have been in a different economic place, maybe it would, but New York is such an expensive place. Plus we had a kid, you know, we had a baby. And then you become a mom. Yeah. We literally approved masters while I was going into labor. Like, I remember we got the masters and we were listening to them while I was just getting my contractions. It was pretty wild. (laughs) How did becoming a mom change you as an artist? I think that once I had Charlie, I realized that, I mean, when she grows up, she's going to listen to my music. She's going to want to know what type of music I do. And I realized that I had the opportunity to make something that still had humor, but then make something that was profound. I wanted to do something good with my music. You know, I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, I felt like, well, what can I do? And I felt, well, there's so many things that I feel passionate about. I feel passionate about Puerto Rico and all of the issues that it's going through. I feel passionate about spirituality. And I felt like I just wanted to kind of have more of that in our music because I I wanted her when she grew up that she would listen to the music and know that there was there was going to be a value in that or that I could be leaving her with, you know, something that was going to be valuable to her. So when you look at Regresa, like, is there a track where you would say, I would not have written that prior to becoming a mom? Nidia is the turning point of the record. Nidia is like such an honest, brutally honest song about something that I actually went through. And I felt that in a way when I discovered that I wanted to make music, I went through a really similar process. I went through a process of just like fear and I was afraid of what was going on. I had self-doubt, I had writer's block. Like I felt, I don't know if I could do this. I don't feel comfortable. Or I just felt fear in general. I remember that I I started, I started chanting and I started to kind of tap into more of uh, of spiritual practice to kind of make sure that um, I wanted to go really deep inside. And I felt that I was able to overcome that, you know, and I and I kind of wanted to make a song about being able, like I wanted for people to understand that I was in a really difficult place. And then I wanted to kind of showcase through the song that I was able to get out of it through like a not an easy process, but I did want it to kind of document that. And I feel that maybe before having her, like, I don't think that I was able to write a song as deep as that. Or maybe I was going to be afraid of going to that place. Maybe I felt that it was going to be too melodramatic or too serious. But now I feel that after I had her, like, I felt like, no, I think that I need to be extremely honest. Like, I can only be honest as an artist. So I think that having her made me kind of fearless. In a way, I feel like when you become a mother, you, you're just like, I don't give a flying f- about anything because you realize that all that really matters is your family, your community, the values that you have. You stop worrying about what anybody else is thinking. Like it really grounds you in a way. So 100%. It's, it is what you said. You stop caring so much about what other people think, but you've never cared more about the things that you care about. Exactly. Like the values you hold, you double down on because you realize that 
they will transcend you. Yeah. Right? You're handing it all over to somebody else. Yeah, for sure. And in a way, like, I, f- I feel like it's so, everything is so meaningful, like coming back home. So much of having her gave us the strength to come back home because it was not an easy process at all. Like, it's such a huge transition, like leaving our jobs behind, having everybody tell us to not come here. And in a way, like, I feel like she kind of gave us the strength to follow our hearts. I also love the life cycle of your mother being born in the Bronx, having you in Puerto Rico, you then having Charlie in New York, bringing her back to Puerto Rico. Like it it feels like watching the life cycle of a butterfly. What was the conversation that you and Luis were having? Because I imagine it was ongoing about moving back to the island. Well, the funny thing is we were meant to move in September, which is literally when Maria hit. Um, I think that in a way, I mean, we never felt that it was like, this is, we call, we're calling it off. Like, we were like, we had had enough of New York and we knew that eventually it was going to happen. The question now was like, when is this going to happen considering what's going on? So what we did is that in the meantime, like, we just got busy. Um, I started this nonprofit with my friend Annie Cordero, Prima, Puerto Rico Independent Musicians and Artists. Um, We started raising money to send to independent musicians with like emergency grants, emergency $500 micro grants. We kind of saw how all the different sectors got together to kind of help, you know, their community. So we were like, we're musicians, let's help our independent music community. And then came February, we pulled the trigger and we said, let's go. Raquel, thank you so much. This was so great. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua-Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Virginia Lora is our managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our producer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening. And please, please leave a review. It is one of the fastest, easiest ways to help us grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.